Good evening, dear listener. Welcome once again to our alternative petite Chelsea Football Club podcast. We have a little bit of musical accompaniment there, which I assume is you, Donal. Um, we're a group of yes. ordinary, everyday fans sit around and try to bring you, the listener, a taste of the experiences, both good and bad, the highs of ecstasy and heartbreaking low points of being a Chelsea fan. This season is looking much more like the former. This is episode 83, and we've broken with tradition and decided to convene with just two games to discuss. Yes, just two games to discuss. Um, these happening to be two critical games that most pundits, wise guys, wise gals, armchair fans, and in this crazy, screwed-up world, probably even Nigel, the French are okay if I'm sleeping with one of them, Farage, thought would decide our season's fate. Um, I'd have taken two points, um, keeping Liverpool and Arsenal at arm's length as a small glimpse of optimism in my default state of evolved and acquired Chelsea pessimism. And that's the lovely Alexandra Churchill, who I met outside the stall on Saturday, and a future guest said to me on Saturday before the Arsenal game, Tony, stop being a dick. So instead of my two points wish from both games, we actually got four and that's the thing with pessimism. You rarely get disappointed and occasionally you get pleasantly surprised. The episode is, of course, as yet untitled. But of course, our dear leader, Nick, will cast his expert eye and ear across the recording and will pluck something riveting, raucous, raunchy, risque or relevant from the verbal shenanigans of the next hour with which to brand this episode. So, without any more of my waffle... Let's move on to the football, but first let me introduce tonight's cast. By the way, my name is Tony Glover. I'm also known by my Twitter handle of at GrocerJackUK. Um, let's start with a man who is a renowned wit, a writer and a raconteur for all things Chelsea. Um, and his thoughts are obviously always, always well thought out and taken from an objective and logical perspective. Clayton Beerman, a.k.a. at Goldie59. Good evening, Clayton. Good evening, Tony. Uh, they are always taken from that perspective, unless I actually steal them from somebody else. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let, let, let's not let's not mess about. No, you'll never hear me moan about um, uh, <laughs> plagiarism. A, a plagiarism. Plagiarism is fine by my my by, in my books. Um, uh, um, we would be welcoming back um, after his most successful and technology gremlin-free appearance in episode eighty-two. Our newest regular contributor, Kweku, but. But he's delayed. <laughs> but he's delayed. He's been he's been he's been sucked into the thrust of a Vulcan engine or something somewhere. Um, so I'll be bringing him in in about fifteen minutes once I get the um, I'm ready message. Um, but of course we have a stalwart with us, a man who's who's pretty much the John Terry of this outfit. He's been there since God knows how long. He's one of our own. We brought him up through the ranks. He's a musical contributor, a mathematical statistician, um, and his name is Donal, a.k.a. at Dr. Underscore Blue Bio. Good evening, Donal. Good evening, Tony. And um, <clears throat> while I'm in many ways happy to be compared to uh, the great John Terry, I do think perhaps my uh, my home life is, is, is slightly less complicated <laughs> in that I'm, I'm not followed everywhere by journalists and, and so on and so forth. And can I also say that uh, we could reassure the uh, the Podding Sheds uh, listener that much as uh, the great home of democracy is currently debating whether or not to allow Mr. Trump a forum within their hallowed walls, 
you can be assured that uh, when he visits, we will not be offering him a platform on the podding shed. <laughs> we will not. And we've made that we've made that very clear to the uh, <clears throat> to the White House this afternoon. Yes, there's, there's, we have no place for um, for such such, um, such people. Orange people. O- orange people. That's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, Although so, Del Winton's welcome in any time, but you know. Yeah, and well, I also I often think yeah, Des O'Connor as well. I mean, he's 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 a, a delightful shade of amber. Um, <laughs> and, the, and the and the and the antiques bloke, whatever his name. Oh, is. Oh yes, um, crikey, what's his name? Come on, one of you two. I met him in an airport once, and he was even even oranger than uh, you could humanly. I, 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 I don't Dixon, know. David actually... Dixon, is it Dixon? Something Dixon. David Dickinson. David Dickinson. Yeah. That's the man, the very man. Well, um. I mean, if he'd been wearing an orange suit, he couldn't have looked more tangoed if he'd tried, as far as I was concerned. Um, but he was very pleasant and said hello to a bunch of semi-drunk golfers that were um, basically just taking the piss. Um, so, yes, as, as we do. Um, anyway. he, he must have been delighted to see you. He, he was thrilled, I should think, while he waved his massive wedge of money <laughs> and his lovely lifestyle at us, who were just in Malaga for a week. <laughs> um Moving on, um, we'll talk about two games tonight, uh, really. Um, but in part one, we'll just do a quick review of the two games. They are, of course, the away match at, at Liverpool and the rather wonderful home game against Arsenal. Uh, part two, we'll probably discuss. Uh, we will discuss the progress and prospects. So, you know, where is this sort of leaving us, and and and, and just how much have we progressed? Um, Part three, I will throw in an AOB because things are so good at the moment, there's nothing much controversial to talk about. Um, so um, you two guys, um, and when Kweku comes in, any ideas, anything you just want to throw in, whether it be about the youth, the women, the fans, uh, Roman Abramovich, um, then that's your section to do it in. Um, but uh, for the time being, we'll kick off. Um, so the Liverpool game, I, I watched it on TV. I didn't actually go up. Uh, to the game at all because um, uh, A it's Liverpool uh, B it was midweek and, and C I don't do away games really um, and I thought but, it was but apart from that why didn't you yeah, yeah. apart from that yeah um... <laughs> <laughs> you were just out the door when you turned back yeah, yeah that's yeah. right yeah um, really I, I just I, I actually you know, for once um, after the initial five minutes of sheer panic anybody who sort of knows me knows I'm a awful awful tv viewer and i've been known quite often to run up the white flag and bugger off out for two hours or whatever so that i don't know anything about it um and therefore can't hex it or um actually put some sort of voodoo sign over it um but i thought we were okay um and in the end we could have won the game although um i have to say i do think that that possibly would have been um slightly unjust really um i didn't think that we would actually go up there and win I think the fact that they haven't lost four games on the trot at Anfield since 1929 I think it is uh, you know the chances of, of us going up and breaking that particular record were pretty slim um, so uh, Donal your views on the Liverpool game um, yes I, I think probably like you I was uh, feeling vaguely uneasy I was expecting that sort of full on uh, press and you know, Liverpool buzzing around and, you know, <clears throat> Chelsea not being able to cope and conceding an early goal. The sorts of things we've seen there in the past, really, you know, under many different managers. It's, uh, you know, the, <clears throat> we've had some 
very good days up there, but we've also had some some quite bad ones as well. And um, yeah, I thought uh, I thought they settled down pretty well. Um, Liverpool never really didn't pose the threat that I thought they were going to. Um, that's not to say that I didn't expect a goal at every, you know, given opportunity. But um, it, it was a, it was, you know, a fairly calm performance. They <clears throat> they obviously set out to to contain Liverpool early on and and you know deal with that sort of the expected rush that you you know this was a game Liverpool had to win. We didn't have to win it, and um, you know that showed in the way. Chelsea played. I, I did think, um, I did think that, yeah, maybe you're right on on balance. You know, a draw was a fair result, but um, yeah, it was a bit annoying to 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 miss a penalty. I'm you know I'm not having a go at Costa, but I, it, I I think the way the game went, had had he scored that, we'd probably have um, run out winners. Um, there was no weren't sort of outstanding in any way, shape or form. But, um, you know, everyone did their job, really, is, is the way I look at it. You know, Costa and Hazard may be a little bit quieter than <clears throat> they sometimes are, but, you know, it was an away game, a game where we had to really just come away with a point, as far as I was concerned, and and, and they achieved that without uh, without too many worrying moments. You know, we didn't... Yeah, Liverpool had had their chances. I think was it Firmino um, should have done better with a, at least one header, but you know they didn't get the sort of wonder goal that they got down at the bridge earlier on this season. And um, yeah, I, I thought I thought it was a, <clears throat> a a sort of the type of performance you have to put in in a in a season when you're challenging for the title. You you can't be brilliant all the time, and you've just got to be able to contain the. The teams are a threat to you. Indeed, uh, I mean I've looked at it, you know, quite positively. Um, Clayton, um, a point gained or two points dropped, and your general view on the game, in, in you know the way we played, the way we, the way we kind of approached the game. Um, it seemed, it seemed different to me than games we've approached in the past, where we we've either been gung ho or massively over negative. Um, this seemed to be hitting the a delicate balance between the two. Your thoughts, please. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I'd have to say that leading into the game, uh, where we were and the fact they'd lost four on the bounce, um, a bit like your good selves, I basically it was like not worth watching because it was obviously we weren't going to get anything. Um, but when you support a football team, logic never actually enters any sphere. Um, I thought it was... Like Donal, you know, I watch I watch these games and I'm just waiting for the opposition to score. Um, they didn't and we did. Um, I, it was a game that was sort of frustrating because I think man for man, and if we would have actually played like we've played in recent weeks and actually taken the game to them, I think we could have won it because their confidence is so fragile. I did actually think perceptively that if we scored first, they'd fall apart, fall apart but they didn't. Um I found it frustrating because every time we did actually attack them, which was not very often at all, there was there was panic at the back. I mean, that run by Costa that led to the penalty being the, the prime example. Um, 
if if somebody would have said to me before the game you're going to get a point, I would have snapped their hand off. Um, there wasn't really any time during the game apart from the natural pessimism that I thought we didn't look worthy of a point. Um, the Costa penalty was was awful. Um, I heard somebody describe um, the penalty save as the penalty save of the season. Well, I haven't seen any other penalty save this season, but if that's the best one, what? I mean, it was. It, it was hit. It was it, it was it was hit very softly, and it was it was an awful penalty. Yeah, um, you take your granny out of a wheelchair and she catches that, doesn't she? I would have thought so. I would have thought so. Not that I recommend you do that. No, absolutely. Don't try it at home, um, listeners. No, but so you know, there was a sense of frustration because, um, but but part of me thinks that's just being greedy. Absolutely being greedy because, as, as Tony said in the intro, I would have taken two points. I would have quite happily taken two points from those two games. Um, I heard via, I think it was uh, Gabriel Marcotti, that somebody close to Conte had Conte had had the same attitude because he said, if we if we get two points, we're still six points clear. So, yeah, I mean. Uh, the, the one thing that did my nutting was the bloody commentary. I mean, this has oh, been yes. Yes. my it's, life. Yeah. My life's bugbear is the commentary, and I, I cannot see how, in all good consciousness, you can have a game between two teams and the co-commentator is completely wedded to one of those teams. Now, people might say, "Okay, but Glenn Hoddle was a Chelsea manager," but Glenn Hoddle is a Spurs fan through and through, so. And, and some of the commentary when Steve McManaman was actually talking about we, I just thought, oh, for God's sake, my, yeah, yeah. my son sitting next to me and saying, why does everybody hate Chelsea, Dad? I said, it's not everybody. Anyway, um, so, yeah, at end of the day, um, I thought it, it was OK. It was a deserved point. Uh, I think, you know, it's in hindsight, I'm, I'm quite happy to say they deserved the point as well. Would you um, would either of you basically describe it um, as as a pivotal game in the season? And also one other thing, I, I'm intrigued by it by the fact that the the vitriol between the clubs um, seems to have fallen back a level or two. Um, and I'm I can only think that it's due to um, Conte and Klopp. It may well have been something that's evolved over a couple of seasons since the departure of. Um, the fat Spanish waiter, and of course our very own um, enfant terrible uh, in, in Jose. But I just wondered, you know, a, a is it, was it as pivotal as people were making out? And and B is is the has that vitriol dropped off? Either uh, I don't I don't know. Um, I personally I always think um, I always think part of the Liverpool thing is not so much. Liverpool themselves, you know, the team, certainly not the players, you know, we all, you know, people like Robbie Fowler and that might wind you up, but generally it's not about the players. Sometimes the manager can get to you. I think with Liverpool, it's always been more that, you know, as soon as they string three wins together, the whole of the media world appears to, you know, get on the bandwagon. And I think that perhaps, perhaps some of that, they have a large and vociferous following who... Hello. Who, oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, hello, Kweku. Um, Donald's in mid-flow, mate, so uh, I'll bring you in in a second, all right? Yes. Okay. 
I just mentioned a large and vociferous following. And there he, <laughs> and there he was, yes. <laughs> my, my disciples appear. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think if you follow social media, you'll you always find people tearing lumps out of each other. I think whenever two clubs are challenging, um, the enmity grows. And obviously, you know, there's that image that Chelsea have of, you know, the, the money that uh, Roman Abramovich brought into the game versus Liverpool's view of, them, of themselves as a traditional club, you know, etc., etc., etc. I don't take all of that too seriously. I think, you know, there's there's needle when when there's trophies on the line and, and I don't take too much notice of the rest of it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think both Klopp and, and Conte as, as media, <clears throat> their media persona are, are not, uh, are not geared towards needling other, other teams, other managers, particularly. Uh, and so I think that helps diffuse the situation. Yeah, I agree. Clayton, your thoughts? And I'll bring Kweku, um, I'll bring him in in a minute and get his view on, on, on a couple of other things as well. Clayton, your view on those points? I, I can't, I mean, I can't honestly say that the, the build-up to this game was as perhaps aggressive or vociferous as previous games. Uh, I think Donald makes a fine point. I don't think the players care. Um, I don't mean they don't care. I mean, they don't care about the rivalry. Yeah, I don't think yeah. it means that much to them as it does to the fans. I think um, because of the position, it, it, Liverpool were desperate to win that. I just, there, there was, I mean... I. One of the fears on the night, and it always is, is that they can create a fantastic atmosphere and it can be very intimidating for anybody that was at that famous second leg of the, the Champions League final uh, with the ghost goal. I mean, the noise there that night, was I, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was a mad night, but... Um, but I, I don't know. I just... I think we're, we're a lot chilled. I mean, it's not... The, there weren't any incidents in the game where everybody was screaming and saying, oh, this, that and the other. And mm. no, I, I think that it was a lot calmer in its uh, in its sort of build up and, and, and afterwards, to be perfectly honest. Although having had to endure those Muppets for the, the 90 minutes, I, I neither watched the halftime review or the uh, yeah. or the mm. after thing where I understand there's a. a a little YouTube video of Stevie G beating the glass as Liverpool equalised. Is that right? I haven't was, seen it. I don't, I, there was, in, there was indeed. Um, I, I, I really, a, really don't want to do that. But the, the inestimable Sid Celery, um, who, who's on Twitter, obviously, um, a, a man I've never met. He keeps a, uh, a log, doesn't he, of um, Liverpool associated pundits? Absolutely, it's up to about fifty-six about. or fifty-seven. Oh no! I think I think if you're into two coach, two coach loads now yes. at least. Yes, yes. Yeah. we're we're not quite. A, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's three but figures I think, yet. I think he's getting close. So, to balance it out, actually, Michael Ballack was also <laughs> in the studio, um, uh, and he's he's he seems to be staunchly pro Chelsea. Um, was putting some very good, very calm, typically German. Um, buckets of water over some of the commentary that was going on. Um, mm. I would also say that Stevie Gerrard banging the glass when Liverpool scored, so he should if he's a Liverpool fan. Um, mm. You know, it's, it's what he says in front of the camera, not when they're shooting him off camera. That come out to me, Queku. Good evening. 
Oh, please don't go silent on this question. Good evening. Good, good evening. E- good evening. Um, it, uh, I was just so shocked about the uh, Stephen Gerrard banging the glass, you know, instead <laughs> of banging the grass. Yes, uh, I suppose so. what he was doing when Denver Bar... Uh, <laughs> we're never going to let him go together, are we? Um, quicker, we're just discussing the Liverpool game. We'll move into the last game, innit? Um, but uh, the, the part you've come in at was just, I was just actually mentioned that, um, you know, was it a pivotal game for us? Um, but also, uh, something that I, I seem to have picked up on, and it seems the other guys might have as well, is that there was um, a distinct falling. Or, or you know, falling back in the level of vitriol that the the clubs between the clubs, and I'm wondering if it's due to this kind of new management style that both Conti and Klopp seem to be very good at. You know, this kind of you know almost a shrug of the shoulders. It's only a game. Let's not get too hit up over things or whatever. Your thoughts? And it could give me yeah, some I mean, views I on think, the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, the level of of tit for tat has definitely lessened um, since the since the time that Mourinho was was in his pomp and you know we seem to be at war with virtually every other club in in the league as well as the media as well um, and that in a sense is to be welcomed because it's actually quite draining when you're constantly having to uh, defend yourself and uh, you know um, against every kind of accusation that's going for you know bad football or you know uh, bad behaviour or whatever else even though in many instances we were right it did get it get did get a bit draining it's nice to be in a season where we're not constantly fighting those kind of fires as well as trying to win the league as well but having said that there there is still a level of animosity between Liverpool fans and ourselves and you could sense it that people were, were looking for us to go into this game and and get undone by the famous atmosphere and all the rest of it and I think we passed the test we in the last podding shed that to get a point up there would be um, exactly what we needed and we got it and on top of that we could have won the game as well so and that was in a, in a situation where things could have quite easily gone on top of us especially when we conceded the equaliser and it looked for a, for a, for a time that Liverpool were going to um, try and you know put pressure on us not just with the crowd but also um, you know with, with with the way that we were playing because so we were very deep at, after the after the, uh, the equaliser came in so I think we've passed the test I think um, we then passed another test later on in the week, but we'll come to that, I'm sure, um, later on. Um, and I think, you know, we, we've shown now that uh, we're, we're serious. You know, we, we, we don't get bullied by this kind of um, thing that people expect, you know, sort of loud atmospheres and, you know, uh, teams playing against us at home where the crowd are on top of us and, and you know, we're under the cosh because we're having to defend a little bit deeper. Uh, we've shown that we're mentally strong, which is what we've said all throughout the season. This this character that we have, that when we're under pressure, uh, we if we do buckle, we get straight back on the on the wagon as quickly as possible. Um, and in other in other senses, which is very very hard to break. So yeah, we've passed the test with uh, with the gold star, I think. Excellent. I mean, I, I, I've, I've, I've taken the same similar sort of view. I mean. There's still something that's bugging me at the back of my my mind, you know, about you know a game we you know we get a penalty with you know just a few minutes to go. But um, as Clayton said earlier, it was a soft, soft, weedy penalty, um, uh, and and I'm kind of glad the game was out of the way. You know, one one at the end of, of full time, I was kind of breathing a sigh of relief and thinking, well, that's the first of those two points that I was aiming at or hoping for, and we are keeping them at bay. They are no closer to us. 
and we needed to get these two big games out um, out of the way this week. I'm going to turn mm. to you, Clayton, because I want to discuss Arsenal. Okay. Well, can we just mention the goal, Tony, before we go? Oh well, because yes, goal, actually, that's a good point. The goal think... was very enjoyable. It was, and I will More say this. so because it, it was just as one of yeah. those. You know. I, I was with others and I, th- I, I think that I voted for Louise as man of the match I thought he was outstanding against Liverpool and, been, and not for the first time no he's been outstanding all season he's playing and, and, he, and he was crocked as yes, well yes he was crocked and I think this goes some way to answering why Eden Hazard had, had his third so-so game on the trot because I think he was definitely carrying a knock um, I, I wouldn't mind betting that he's probably going to be rested for Burnley um on the bay or, or benched or whatever, uh, simply because um, you know there's obviously something there. And I think he might have picked that up in the, in, the, in the game earlier. But David Luiz was it was a fantastic goal. Let's face it, I don't care that Minnelli was apparently directing traffic um, uh, outside the Anfield in Anfield Road. Um, what, what the hell he was doing? Perhaps he was trying to do some sort of semaphore system to someone in the crowd that he knew. Um, but the fact is, he hit the ball. In the, it looked to me very similar to the way Ronaldo used to hit, almost as if he's hit down on it so that he get that really yeah. defined curve. But the fact that it went in, just touched the post and went in at such a speed, I think they could have had three Mignolets. They could have had Mignolet and Czech, right? And, and they wouldn't have got to it. I can't think of a goalkeeper in the Premier League that would have got to that. You know what's even more incredible about that as well? And this is something that when the season is, when the story of the season is written, I think this needs to be really flagged up. Do you know that David Luiz is playing with a hamstring injury that he, that he sustained on the way to winning the Champions League with us? He, he actually ha- he can't actually train properly. Um, I, you know, if, if you guys want to read a piece that I did about it, then, then it's there. He does an interview with him and he, he actually shows the interviewer how unnatural that part of his leg looks. Now I read um, about this. And it's yeah, some sort of inverted muscle thing or something, isn't it? So that's it. Yeah, that, that's it. I, I mean, did what read he about is this. Doing, it's incredible. It's incredible. It really. And he's not. You know, I keep on saying he's not getting the credit for it. So I'm. I'm going to stop banging that drum because people are going to get bored of it. But it's he. He. He is the leader that is going to make the, the the passing of John Terry a lot easier to. Uh, uh, for us to take, um, I think. Um, I, I can't stop saluting him. He's, he's brilliant. Indeed. Mm. Clayton, your view on that goal. I mean, I, 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 I didn't actually put it in the script, um, or my script, but I, I think it is worth a mention, a few words from you. It's just a great goal. Um, basically, we've been waiting for him to, to smack one in. Um, I think most of us are ducking uh, if we're behind the goal that he's taking. Because his his radar has been so off, but it was just such a clever piece of play. It was just very very lovely. It was because it was it was because what the game meant, where it was, all those things are are sort of all rolled up into why the goal was so deliciously lovely. Um, but just I mean, mentioning David Luiz, I mean there there is a when we, when we bought him on transfer deadline day, there's a a very well respected French journalist who is on. Radio 5 Live a lot called Julian Laurent and I've got a lot of time for this guy he talks so much sense but he basically and this clip is I I remember it I remember I know what you're going to say he basically said Chelsea have made a huge mistake he's gone massively backwards he's no bloody good etc etc and he has been exemplary 
I mean, yes, don't want to don't want to tempt fate, but he doesn't. You know, it just his whole discipline and the way he's played and the way those three at the back have just gelled has just been outstanding. And he's he's a big part of that because you have got to think those other two were there before anyway. But yeah, just just lovely. What a lovely goal! Absolutely yeah. brilliant. And the, and the fact that they thought it shouldn't be a goal, obviously makes it even that you know that 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 much better it does indeed and and donald quick word from you on that um i was unaware of this hamstring issue is it something that he can have surgery on or is it just completely knackered and no it's it's done it's he, he's gonna have to play like that for the rest of his career uh, by the sounds of it um mm. i mean it's not it's not it's not something that you know is going to um, that, that affects him, you know, in a debilitating way. But it just means, yeah. he, or, or when he's playing anyway, but it means he can't train in the way. We had a similar problem with Ashley Cole, who couldn't train, um, I think, in the same way as uh, most other players. He had to have a few days off and then, and then, or something along those lines. So, uh, so yeah. But even Sorry. still, I mean, mm. yeah. So, it, it reminded me of the goal that Thierry Henry scored against us um, back at back in Highbury. Remember Highbury, when there was a big there was a big debate about whether or not the whistle had been blown. I mean, on this one, you can clearly hear the whistle, you know, the whistle is blown quite early on. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yet Liverpool would, continue to try and set know, the wall. That just made it even yeah, more hilarious. I was, was going to say, because <laughs> the, I remember that Thierry Henry free kick, um, which took us by surprise, because I've for years, I, that spooked us, for years we've been trying to do these and I hate them, these quick free kicks, as if you're going to catch the other side out. I've no doubt that, you know, one time in a hundred, you will catch the other side out. But most of the time, you know, you're just wasting a good chance of a free kick of getting something in there. But a quick short pass, let's get the game moving again. You know, as if the others have just pulled up a pillow and been given a bottle of milk mm. and are having a kip in the centre circle. That's just not the way it is. Um, and also, I think the other thing... Because oh, this... Uh, yeah, of course, what the fact that Louise pretty much did the quick free kick, you know, even though the whistle had gone. Um, the other side of it that really gets me down is the short corner. I cannot tell you how much I detest him. You've got you, you're working all game to get your your wing backs or your your wingers down to get a crossing, and you get a free one, and you bugger about in the corner with it. Where invariably, if the other team moves in, you end up back at the halfway line trying to build your move up again so um, that's just a bit of a rant from me um but I, I I'd have to I'd have to disagree with you we'll have to disagree Tony on the on, on the short corner uh, I think it has its it has its place in the modern game no nah, I can't see, I could see it that makes it sound like I know what I'm talking yeah, about challenges the very simple point is it's to pull the other side's defense out of shape that's it because yeah. when you move the ball, all the defenders move around, and therefore you can then cross it and in it with all the players in a disorganised uh, yeah. way. And you're changing the angle. I know what it's about. Time. I just don't like it. I hate it. I think it's you've got a free cross, <laughs> then bloody will take one, like you know. And if you've got people who can put the ball in the box, the, not, the, 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 big, the bigger point is what, why these players can't take the corners in the first place. Well, why can't they that. beat the first man? We have that improved is a on that. Nightmare. We, I think we have improved on that. Right, let's move on. Let's move. When, when you write your when you write your dissertation for you, you, you wait for pro license, Tony. Yes. <laughs> send, send us all a copy of why I'm not going to bugger about with short corners. <laughs> I'm going oh. to do exactly that. Yes, and quick free kicks. Yeah. You'll have Jurgen and Conte yes. all be in the room and you'll be lecturing. Yeah, yeah I'll be telling. Don't straight. bugger about the short corner. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Get get the ball in. Oof it in there. Waste that time. 
Get a big lad on the end of it. So, I suppose, <laughs> preferably with one, one that's got a good touch for a big lad. That's what we yes. want. Yes. Okay. Carrying a bit of timber. <laughs> Indeed. Um, right. So let's, let's move on to, um, the, the, the mainstay of tonight's podding, podding show, I think, which will be the Arsenal game. Um, a terrible, 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 awful kickoff time. That's the other thing I'm going to go in about. Um, but, I prefer that to a Friday night or Monday night, I will say that. And, and, and to be fair, I thought the atmosphere was fantastic, considering there would have been distinctly less beer um, swilling around people's stomachs as there would be for you know a three o'clock or a five thirty kickoff. But um, um, I'm going to move on to let's 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 move on to discussing the game um, and talk about some of the high points and, and if you can find any any of the low points. Um, yeah, Clayton, over to you. and Clayton. I saw you when that goal went in, so please touch on that because. Um, I, I actually glanced over to where you were, and um, you looked—you you, you, well. You carry on, mate. Um, I don't know what goal you're talking about. Anyway, um, so I was actually quite nervous <laughs> because I think, in the general context of the season, this game is massive. I think it was absolutely massive. I think um, I thought at the time, if we get a point, that will be satisfactory. But if we can win. We are halfway there. That's probably a little bit too precipitous, bearing in mind how many games there are to go. But I just thought this is this is huge. Um, and thankfully, Arson didn't disappoint. Um, I mean, yes, they had injuries, but that midfield was... I mean, that was just... Well, it wasn't a midfield, basically. It was one um, defensive midfielder and three sort of in-between players. Uh, so... I was slightly relaxed. I was unbelievably pleased to see that Danny Welbeck wasn't playing uh, because I think he's a good player. And Giroud. I haven't asked... Yeah, well, not so much Giroud, but I I have an Arsenal supporting friend and who was at the Watford game and he he sort of comes into my office for counselling. You know, he just... (laughs) He sort of comes in and and, and we discuss what's happened and and he was was really hacked off with me because I wasn't in in work on on the morning after and he wanted to come in and talk to me and, and, you know shed his sins but I mean it's really interesting because I wrote an article and uh, the Irish examiner Terence wrote an article and it's really difficult even though I love Chelsea and Chelsea did so many things it's really difficult not to write about Arsenal yes (laughs) and just sort of opine on, on what a complete absolute just mess it is anyway going back to the game there were so many brilliant things in that game um, the first goal, let's get this out of the way. Every single ex-footballer who's on telly, who is on the radio, said goal. A yeah. great goal. Yeah, Every, agreed. You know, he, sh- he showed more aggression. He's bigger than Bellerin. Um, and it was a goal. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Um, Arsene Wenger said it wasn't a goal. And I actually heard Jonathan Norcroft, who actually is a decent journalist, he thought it wasn't a goal either. Um, the only thing I would say is, and the point is, if that would have happened anywhere else on the pitch, it probably actually would have been a free kick. But um, it didn't, it wasn't, and it's a goal. Um, I thought we then had the wonder save from Tebow, which was, it was right in front of you, Tony, so you must have got a brilliant view of that. But that, that was a stunning save. Yep. Well, not, only a great, not only a great save, but the way he managed to push it away from danger. As and well, that was the point uh, I made because the, the bloke, the, the people I go up with, I was when we got in the car on the way home and I wasn't driving, and I sit in the back and I sort of pen my t- 
Twitter thoughts, you know, there's eight or nine of them usually post-game. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and my mate just sat there, and, uh, it was all right, it was one of the Sunday papers, wasn't it? And I said, I'm sick and tired of people who just seem it's okay to denigrate the art of goalkeeping, because it, it may well have been, I'm telling you now, if that had been Giroud who'd got that header in, that would have been in the back of the net, I think. Yeah, because that's what worries me about Giroud. He, if there's one thing that he can do, it, he can he can head a ball like Drogba. He's got that kind of ability. But it wasn't him, and it was you know it, Courtois had to react very very quickly. And the big difference was he got that ball well away from any Arsenal follower. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so we had that, and Arsenal getting back in the game at half time, and then we had that goal. And to be perfectly honest, there are very few people who watch football on a weekly basis who will ever, ever get the privilege of seeing something like that happen in their stadium by one of their players. Absolutely outstanding. I mean, you can point to the Arsenal just ridiculousness um, of trying to stop him or not. I mean, why? somebody didn't clump him I've got absolutely no idea but I'm very glad they didn't because it meant that we saw something which was was completely wondrous um, I actually was complaining after the goal because I think Coquelin should have been booked uh, one for trying to foul him and two for just making a complete arse of himself I think it was just just absolutely embarrassing um, and then and then sort of there was that delightful moment and it was a bizarre moment that goal one because when Sesk hit it, it, it doesn't. It basically hits a camera. Yes. It, it so it doesn't hit the net. It just no. bounces straight out again. Yeah. So it, being of a certain age and, and, and easily confused, um, I saw the ball bounce out. I saw Sesk not celebrate, and I thought, oh, he's put that over the top. Mm. But then I saw him being mobbed, and I thought, ah, oh, I was I'm very clever like that. I thought, yeah. no, he has scored. Um, so. That, that was it. I mean, it was really, really disappointing to let in a goal. Um, but to be perfectly honest with you, I mean, those guys were, they were on cloud nine after that. They were running around like loonies. Um, yeah. And there was substitution, so the goal happened. Um, it was just a wonderful, wonderful day. I mean, I mean, it's hard to pick anybody out because everybody played well, apart from one person who uh, I'll come on to in a second, yeah. if I may. Um Kante, Matic, um, and as Azpilicueta, because Azpilicueta seemed to be charged with man-marking Ozil. Every yeah. time Ozil had the ball, he was Who? on him. Who? <laughs> exactly. Was, it, was he? I, I don't remember seeing him. <laughs> I mean, you know, just going back to Arsenal, I mean, watching a team that have got no fights, have got no heart, and have got no spirit, I, I, you know, I mean, it was a lot like watching us at the beginning of last season, wasn't it? It was Just indeed. Yeah. around, accepting our fate. Okay, so the only person, the the elephant in the room was was um, Costa, who basically was off his game. However, he made the first goal. You could say, if you're being quite cheeky and doing fancy football, that he headed the ball to Hazard, so he made the second goal. Um, and he was basically a pain in the ass, um, but we know he can be better. But I mean, all in all, it was it was it was a, it was a performance of champions. Good to hear. I, I cannot. I mean, I'll say my bit about 
the goal now. I, my, my mate who I sit next to was actually checking his phone when Fabregas scored that goal and wondered what the hell was going on. I was, he said, what happened? I went, well, I think, I think, <laughs> I think that Czech might have played the ball out to Fab. I said, who's then, he's just chipped Czech and got the goal. Um, and because we, we'll jump down, down it, but the hazard goal, I'm going to say this, okay. Um, I don't give a flying toss whether or not it was an Arsenal defensive balls up. I don't care whether any other clubs, I don't care that nobody went in and tried to upend him. Um, someone brilliantly described on, on Twitter the fact that Coquelin actually looked like he'd been electrocuted by hazard, the way he just fell away from him. Um, uh, when, when I think of all of the goals I've seen at Stanford Bridge, uh, the one that comes possibly closest to that in terms of an individual effort was Joe Cole against Manchester United when we won the league under Mourinho uh, the second year I think um, when Mourinho went round and shook all their hands early taking the piss obviously um, but this one to see a man pick the ball up from the halfway line with six or seven Arsenal seven if you include Czech Arsenal players in front of him irrespective of the angle that he turned at the angle he ran at, who he went through, was just out of this world. And if it had happened, and I still think the press have underplayed it slightly, because if that had happened in Barcelona and that had been Messi, that would have been all over Europe, everywhere. Okay, the fact that he did that. Um, and, and he's still got to beat players. And Koscielny, whatever anybody thinks about Koscielny, is not a bad defender. Um, he put in one tackle on uh, on Hazard in the second half, I think, when he was running he, on the break, which mm. had to be inch perfect and to the second in timing to stop Hazard getting, getting a clear mm. run away. So for me, um, you know, that is possibly, uh, and I'm struggling to think of a better individual goal that I've ever seen at Stamford Bridge and the joy the the, 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 the end I'm in the, just the sheer joy and I looked over at, at Clayton and it looked like he'd been he'd swallowed a, a, a whole a cylinder of laughing gas okay and, <laughs> and the whole stand, I mean you know even Chidge the other night in the fan cast said he basically lost where he was okay because the you know I, I've seen some raucous celebrations of that one that had we had a roof it would have been lifted just from that goal and it was one of them moments where I felt privileged and honoured to be there to see it because to my you know the day I shuffle off this mortal coil you know that's one of the happy brilliant light up adrenaline surges that I've ever had Kweku so there's a uh, Argentinian commentator um, who's commentating on Maradona's goal against England in 86. Yeah. And he says, um, I'll get the translation right from memory, but he essentially says, thank God I was alive to see a goal like that or a player like that score, score this kind of goal. And that's how I felt when I saw that goal. It was quite unbelievable. But the best thing about it is, right, it, it's, it's the second phase of the goal. So he's cocking, and your, your mate said he looked as if he was electrocuted. My analogy was that it looked as if he was being thrown out from a bar. You know, you know, when you sort of, uh, you, this guy's been causing too much trouble, so we're, we're, we're flinging him out the door. And, uh, and that, he sort of tumbled out as if, as if that had happened. But the best thing about it, not just the, the strength and the deafness at the start, you want to look at the finish. Because he's weaving this way and that, and he's got very, very little room. And he, he, he seems to sort of arch his 
arches back in his body in order to lift the ball over uh, um, over the uh, I forget his name now the Arsenal keeper. Um, but <laughs> it's just just I, I don't to be honest with you I don't really care. But you know the the the, 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 the just that sort of finish to be scored by a Chelsea player at Stamford Bridge at a time when we needed that second goal because Arsenal you know what it's like when when Chelsea are 1-0 up you know you're always your your heart's always in your mouth and to score a second reassuring goal like that it's just it's it's picture perfect and I think I think we have to we have to remember that goal for as long as we live because it was it was utterly utterly magnificent yeah I agree. Um, I've also, I just want to say my bit about Costa. I, I scored Costa a, a, a five. Um, I got home, um, my wife was out, and I thought, do you know what? I'm going to sit there and watch that again. I enjoy myself so much. And after watching the game, I revised him upwards to seven. Um, because in the first half, he did an awful lot of stuff. And in the second half, there was a frustration creeping in because I think he was trying too hard. Um, and, and I think that, that kind of culminated in the chance he had, um, at the, uh, on, you know, checks near post where he decided to go for goal instead of just, he could have laid it back to one of any one of four Chelsea players for a tap in. Uh, and that would have been four nil. And I don't think Arsenal would have got their goal at that point. Um, so I think Costa was just trying to try to hard. And Donald, I would like your views on the game and on the goal. <clears throat> okay, uh, there's been quite a lot said. Uh, maybe I'll just deal with this in a short, sharp fashion. Um, Coquelin. Uh I think the appropriate metaphor. Uh, I think if we <laughs> we're looking at the the sort of Hollywood crime caper or. Um, uh, Drive, or, you know, one of those sort of movies where people are driving getaway cars a lot, etc. You know, the bit where someone uh, goes into the, the the detectives, they run in the house, and your man dives out the window, jumps in the car, detective runs, grabs car, hangs on for dear life, bloke throws it ninety degrees around the corner, boof, detective goes flying off down the road, rolling <laughs> along, looks at car disappearing into the. That is a definitive Coquelin metaphor. That's what he looked like. <laughs> Forget the electrocution and everything. He, he grabbed hold of the door frame and then has a just quick S of the car and off he went. Um, Costa. Costa's game, I thought Costa played a lot more central. He didn't move out wide a lot. And I think there was, that may have well have been by design, uh, perhaps to allow Hazard... Uh, and uh, Pedro, etc., to to use the width and to for him to occupy Koscielny, um and tie him in there a bit um, more than maybe he normally does because he he normally roams a bit more. I certainly didn't think that he had a poor game. I was I was shocked <clears throat> by your your vociferous tweet shortly after the game. I. I gave you the benefit of the doubt, Tony, on the basis that drink may have been taken. <laughs> it hasn't actually, all, blimey, that was we're all though. very excited. <laughs> we're all very excited. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I thought, I didn't think he had a bad game. Yeah, he didn't score. He Maybe a couple of passes were mistimed. You know, the the breakout ball wasn't played correctly. But I thought he did. I thought he did fine. So um, that's the, the Costa side of things. The value of Hazard's goal 
Now, people are going to talk about, you know, is that the pivotal moment in the season? Um, is that the one that wins us the title? Does it? There is, in, in proper footballing terms, there is a set value for Hazard's goal. And that set value, which is recognised throughout the world of football, is the entrance money alone. And that is the currency. And that's how you talk about that goal. You don't talk about what it might do further down the line. You don't compare it to anything you've seen before. You just say, Hazard's goal worth the entrance money alone. Okay? Yeah. I think we need to sort that out. And finally, um, Courtois. Did anyone read the article about Courtois? Uh, yes, you, you won't be surprised that I did. Really, Clayton? And why would that be? Oh, I have a pass. Never showed any interest in. Yeah, yeah it, was it was it was interesting. Uh, I thought it was fascinating. Know. Go go ahead. I mean, there were some really good points in it. Yeah, it was it was really just he obviously wasn't happy with the training methods um, uh, previously, and and obviously enjoys working with this this new goalkeeping coach. And I suppose only because the son and heir is is you know a goalkeeper, and I go and watch him train and see how they train him that you realise all these little subtle changes and subtle adjustments. And, you know, I, he, everyone is playing better this season. But, you know, being such a technical position, it's interesting how Courtois has refound his form. And, and certainly, although Chelsea are having a very good season, we're winning games, etc., etc., there are those sort of pivotal moments, a bit like on, on Saturday, where he is pulling off the one save here or there. You know, he's not facing the barrage of chances that he was last season, but he's still having to make one or two crucial saves every so often and um, and doing it really well. And uh, finally, I think I have to say something about Olivier Giroud that, that's bothering me. Um, and what it is, is... <clears throat> I can't put my finger on on exactly what cultural reference always springs to mind, but with the beard and the hair and the the general demeanour, I think I'm, I'm looking Quebec fur trapper, seventeen sixty three something like that, you know, on the St Lawrence River, but seen through the prism of perhaps a Chanel perfume advert. You know, there's something, it's, it's, it's starting to bother me every time I see him now. And yeah, I think, yeah, Quebec, Quebecois fur trapper, but in a Chanel type advert, you know, he's, he's too polished, obviously, to be the real thing. Well, I, th- I think it's quite an apt analogy, given that Arsenal <clears throat> generally look as if they're playing in high heels most of the time anyway. So, there, there, there is this thing. I mean, I was going to sort of move it on, uh, sort of wax lyrical about, um, you know, Kante, Alonso, Pedro. What a great all-round team mm. performance it was. Courtois. We had some dispute over this the other night. Um, I was, I was guesting on the fan cast because um, he's patently got rid of Lollishon, who I had pretty much hate. Well, not hated. It's too strong a word. Um, but had a pretty low opinion of for years. I thought he turned Czech into a, you know, a hoofer. Basically, um, you know, just hoof the ball down the park to Drogba or whoever's there, uh, and 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 you know, uh, Czech was having problems 
um, especially it's, I think he's near post. Is that the left hand one as I stand behind it? That, that side of it, I think, um, uh, where he, you know, goals were going in that you probably thought he should have got to. Um, Courtois seems happier. And, it, you know. Well, his near, his near post would depend which side the player's coming at him. I suppose so, yeah. Your near post yeah. changes. Yeah. You can tell that I do a lot of watching yeah. of goalkeeping. He, he is. Because I immediately get up. He is, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I mean, I look now and I, I love uh, Peter Cech because I'm always going to call him Peter anyway. Um, but I, I loved I loved him, but I think we got rid of him at the right time. Um, and one person who was staunchly pro Courtois all the way through last season, of course, was our very own goalie 59, Clayton, um, who said, you know, you, you, you've got to take into consideration what he's got in front of him. Now, he's the last line. Uh, and when you're when you're... When your penultimate line of defence is rubbish, as it pretty much was last season, then it's easy to start blaming the goalkeeper. Okay, um, you know, and, and perhaps Claudio Bravo could be feeling a little bit like that at the moment, really. Um, yeah. Whereas actually now, well, our defence is 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 so so good and so much more efficient and so much more kind of ruthless than it was last year. That actually Courtois isn't worried about every time that he's, you know, what he has to be doing. He's much more relaxed into the game. And I think the guy he's got now who's coaching him has probably brought that out in him. So I'm very glad that he's like that. My worry is, is that he's apparently either moved his family back to Spain or, you know, they've never come back from Spain. And, and there's a worry there that, you know, one of the big boys will come in from, you know, I'd... I'd I suspect they'll they want to come in for Hazard if he's have a great if he has a great season, and I just like to think that we are now in a position where we can just basically say you're not having any of our players, you know. I think Courtois' job has actually got harder because if you think about it, and this is the reason why to be a goalkeeper, they say in Brazil, um, the hardest position in the Brazilian national team is the goalkeeper because um, because so much of the players at the other end you're defined by very, very few moments. It's not as if you get 50 chances to save this or that. And in fact, there's a goalkeeper, um, Barbosa, um, Brazil's goalkeeper from the 50s, who when Uruguay beat them in the Maracana, um, he was essentially a persona non grata for the rest of his life. He wasn't invited to anything, no uh, sort of ceremonies, because he made a mistake in that, in that final. And so if you look at Courtois, He's having a lot less work to do than last season, but the quality of his output is spot on every single time, despite the fact that generally he's only having one or two or maybe three saves to make per match. So the concentration, I think this is the, this is the thing that you really have to give it to him, the concentration to be able to put saves when most of the action is happening at the other end. I think is is, is fantastic, um, and it, it definitely must be down to the coaching because um, the, the kind of mistakes he was making last season, and you know Clayton, you know, just, you know, deserves a you know uh, a cap for, uh, for, for for defending him. Um, you know, he, he had nothing in front of him, and everything was you know he was he was having to deal with virtually every everything that was that was coming our way. So um, yeah, I think he I think we need to recognise that his, his job this season is potentially even harder and he's doing it better um, so just a small point for me Clayton, yeah, I, I mean, Clayton, I'm yeah. going to say Clayton I'll bring you in on this point because I think you're, you're the you're, you're our goalie and uh, and I'd be interested in your point I'm the, I'm the people's goalie you're I'm not just your goalie, goalie. I'm, yes. the, I'm the people's goalie in, indeed um, <laughs> listen I, you know the, the thing was when it, when it, <laughs> the when goalie it, on the Clapham omnibus <laughs> Oh dear! Very, very good. Um, 
when it came to the two of them, it was obvious, you know, uh, Jose was very hard-nosed about it. He had to be. Um, and there is a, I suppose, there's a bit of blurring of history because you can sort of forget about the fact that Petter sat on the bench for a year um, whilst, con- uh, whilst um, Quartar took over. And when he came back to the club from Atletico Madrid, he was outstanding. He was confident. He came for everything. He, he looked the real deal. Um, and then we had the second season and uh, basically his confidence was shot to peaches. He obviously fell out with Lolishon. Um And again, there's a lot of people forget but people wanted his head at the beginning of this season because yes. he had the worst shot to goal ratio of any goalkeeper. Every yeah. time anybody shot, they scored. Yeah. And it's quite funny that I think that my un- unswerving loyalty sort of took a little bit of a shake when we played Arsenal in that game we lost because there was one moment in the second half, I don't expect any other Anorak to expect to remember, but there was one moment, the ball came in the box in the second half and Gary Cahill, it was a goalkeeper's ball. I mean, it wasn't that far off his line. Gary Cahill was imploring him to come and get it. Yeah. And he just stood on his line and Gary Cahill just kicked it out. And I just thought, hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But... Little by little. But the thing is that goalkeepers and defences, they're interrelated. If one plays well, the other one plays well. Because the simple fact is that they have confidence in each other. If you're if you're in defence and you think there's a clown behind you, you're going to panic in the way you play. And if you're a goalkeeper and you think there's clowns in front of you, it's the same thing. You're not going to trust anything that's that's going on. And the fact is that we've, we've absolutely tightened up at the back. He's got more confidence because he knows that he's got a good defence. And the one thing that, that Kweku was saying, which is 100% spot on, but was illustrated by the save he made at Sunderland. He had two things to do at Sunderland. He had a save at the, in the first minute of the second half, which was a good, good save, one-on-one, good oh, save. Yeah. But the save made three minutes into injury time yeah, the Van was one, wasn't it? just... Stunning, yeah. absolutely stunning. I mean, he, I, I, yeah, I do, I do think that there, there is a possibility he's going to go. But the fact is that he's signed a five-year contract last year. He basically, you know, the club can can ask for ridiculous money. But I think, and I would say this, I think the goalkeeper, you know, great teams have had great goalkeepers. Yeah. You know, when we were great, we had Petr Cech. Um, those are you know those old enough to remember Clough. What did Clough do? You know when he went to Forest, he brought Shilton in. You know, just goalkeeper is so pivotal, and I just think he's he's worth every penny. And I think we really really should do everything we can to keep him. I, I like the fact that I think that Conti seems to have this remarkable way with the players that even when there's alleged disputes or disagreements or, or grumblings from within the club um, they're either being quashed very well in a Kremlin like manner um, which as we all know tends to be not very well anyway because it still gets out um, or he he really is that good at man management that that any of this sort of stuff goes on so I, I'm you know I'm hanging on the fact that I think a lot of the players are looking at this guy saying you know not only is he gonna got us to a point where we are, are highly likely to deliver uh, you know, the Premier League title. Um, you know, we'll be back in Europe next year, 
Um, and this is the guy that's going to lead us and, and get us playing and punching above our weight. And I mean that from the goalkeeper right through to the front. There will be changes, of course. Um, just want to quick five minutes uh, before we just move into the AOB bit at the end. Um, just want to talk about the fact that we talked about Arsenal. You said that, you know it's quite interesting to watch them as a collapse in the way they sort of have which is this you know I've always had this kind of thing that I'm not entirely convinced that this happens every year or whatever but they do seem to be a club settled into this fourth or third place um, that's a successful season I'm wondering whether Wenger being in the stands made a difference to them on the day um, but also the, the, the kind of spectacle um, that, that several people witnessed of, of Arsenal fans fighting amongst themselves in the ground um, over the Wenger out kind of thing you know uh, it, the, the, it, he, he seems to be polarising the fans um, more and more each game and um, uh, you know I just thought you know, when you see Arsenal fans TV which I know is a little bit staged I'm sure it is um, but they, there does seem to be this kind of growing uh, if you like pitchfork and lantern um, people that seem to be after his head and I just wondered if anybody had any thoughts on on, on this uh, I've, well, I've, I've... I've got a connection inside the Arsenal camp, which I'll reveal off air. So uh, we've got two big problems with Arsenal. Um, Strange thing for for us to kind of go into much detail, given they used to cause so many problems back back in the day. Um, But I remember what Arsenal teams used to be like. You remember that decade where T, Vieira, the likes of Edu, Gilberto, those kind of people in the field. And you just knew when we played Arsenal that we would be in for it. And it's the one fixture that I played. I would have played any team in the world, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Bayern, Munich, any of them, anything Arsenal. Because you knew that they could play, they could mix it, they could tackle, they would put you under pressure all the time, all the time, all the time. And where after Vieira left, Something must have changed in Becky, but I can't oh, understand. I don't know what's happened to you, Quicker. You've gone, you've gone Dalek like, mate. Can you hear me, all right? Yeah, all right. It, it was just you breaking up quite yeah. badly, and it's sort of ruining the flow of what you were saying. All right, sorry. I was just uh, is that right? Can you hear me now? It's a bit better, yes. Yeah. So I was just sort of saying that something changed. The era left Arsenal um, in in Wenger's psyche because Arsenal's side were were dirty is to consistently have the, the highest level of red cards and yellow cards. Um, and you knew that you'd be in a game with them. And then after that, after the era left, they're full of all of these five foot two, five foot three, five foot four players who don't really want to put a tackle in and are generally seen as being mentally weak. So I, I can't understand what changed them in Wenger after 2005 or 2005-6, but something did, because the Arsenal sides before 2005 and the Arsenal sides after 2005 are completely different, which is something you can't say about Man United sides under Ferguson. They always have the same attitude, the same mentality, but there's a definite change in Arsenal from 2005 to now um, compared to how it was before, and I think you just need to look at the, the teams and how they play. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Chaps, any any other comments on that before we move on to our last section for five minutes? Uh, the only thing I'd say is not my problem. <laughs> yes, excellent. Yeah. There was yeah. um, a discussion on Monday night on Radio 5 Live 
and I think it was Charlie Adams was on there. Yeah, yeah. Guy yeah. who played for Liverpool and stuff. Uh, quite interesting to to hear him. He, you know, he, we have these views of certain types of players, don't we? And yeah. uh, but you know, he was quite uh, quite erudite and and interesting to listen to. And yeah, I mean, he more or less said when pressed that yeah, the the view I think around the professional ranks is that. You know, Arsenal at Highbury uh, or the Emirates, as it is now, are a really, really difficult team to play against. And if they get their passing game going, you're <clears throat> you've got problems. But away from the Emirates, the feeling generally is that that you can get at them, and that they do. They that and he he was asked it flat out. You know, do you think they're mentally weak? And he said, Yeah, pretty much. That's how we view them. And it was interesting to hear a, a, a pro playing at the moment who who wasn't sort of Chris Sutton-like throwing stuff out there to be, you know, for the sake of it. He, you know, he was quite thoughtful and, um, you know, talked about why they thought they could get a couple of goals against Chelsea and did. And, you know, that's how Tottenham got their goals, a similar fashion, you know, the, the weakness around the, the full, the, the wing backs in terms of aerial prowess particularly, well, not so much Alonso, but with Moses. But yes, he, he certainly said that the general feeling about the place is that away from the Emirates, you can get at them and, and that they're not they're not mentally tough enough. Yeah. Which is interesting. Well, I think that's it. that is interesting. Let's move on. Um, I think we've, we've, we've probably done the arse a bit. Just a, a few minutes before we, uh, before we depart, um, in the nicest possible way, of course. Uh, where does this leave us? Champions-elect? Are we just in pole position? Um, is our lead unassailable? Um, personally, I would never do that. That's the equivalent of Danny Baker's, um, as if any of you have ever listened to his Saturday morning show, um, he says that, you know, the, the kiss of death on any, any game is when you stand up at 2-0, um, and throw your arms in the air and say, nothing can go wrong now. Um, and, um, you will probably, probably be beaten. Uh, to, to almost the point of death if you, if you did it, I think, in where I sit. Um, but I, 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 it's hard, it's just hard for me to see where midway through February, when we've had more fragile or, or less, um, a smaller gap at this point, and we've, we've seen it through. This is a game that's, a, a team that's lost three games in 24, one every eight games. Um, by my calculation, that means we've probably got one more to lose. Um, so just your general thoughts on where this leaves us, champions elect pole position. Unassailable lead. Which dodgy games have we got left? Oh, that's an open question. Anybody wants to jump in? Man, Man well, United we've got, away. We've got City at home. Yeah. United uh, yeah. away, City at home. Yeah. Uh, those two, really, I think. But you know, I, I, I've taken a, a, a kind of view and thinking we, you know, with nine points, with Liverpool have got to play Tottenham this weekend. I think so. One of them is going to drop further back. You know, Liverpool could. Could could do them. It's at Anfield. Um, they're not going to make it easy for Spurs. If Spurs, um... it's, it's 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 Tottenham or City who are going to catch it. Yeah, if anyone yeah. does. I think the other yeah. the others are are too far back. Um, or if we did have such a catastrophic thing that we got over, it would be City and Tottenham who are looking the more likely to 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 grab the glory if we falter. Um, I, I think I, what I gives think... you what gives you the reassurance is that this is Tony saying that they all. They, they've all got to pay each other. So if we do slip, they're going to take points off each other anyway. So, you know, I mean, this, this, that's a massive comfort for us. Yeah. Um, you know, 
Clayton, any thoughts? I mean, they, 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 sorry, carry on. So, I was going to say, Clayton, um, any thoughts on this? So, uh, like me, don't want to tempt fate, but, uh, you know. No, I, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't ever tempt fate. I mean, football's mad. Um, I think the, there's, there's two things in our favour. One, as uh, Kweku said, that there's, these other teams are all playing each other, so they're all going to drop points. Um, but I think it's our manager. I just don't think with him in this position now, it's all about experience. A lot of our players um, won the league two years ago. Yeah, it was quite funny yeah. actually because Charlie Adams. I, I was listening to that myself, and Charlie Adams actually said the thing about he said, "Oh, Chelsea haven't won won the league for years." I went, "Yeah, no, two years. That's a long. That's a long time." I don't know what Charlie Adams' problem with us is. He, he seems to have a, a, a real problem with us. I, 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 I want to find out what it is, but he seems to love having a dig at us at every opportunity. It's, I it's a bit like uh, yeah, I didn't get that impression the other night. He was. I thought he no, was. I, 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 yeah, he he was all right about us, but he didn't actually. Yeah. I mean, when he said that, I just laughed because I thought I'm sure it was two years ago. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, yeah. basically, we've got the experience. We've got a team full of guys who have done it before. We've got a manager who's done it before. I don't think we'll take anything for granted. I think every single game that we've got till the end of the season is difficult because, you know, the thing is that everybody's saying, well, we we don't have to play Manu or Man City until I think it is it April. Yes, exactly. Both and, games you know, are in April. So that that's a hell of a long time. Um, and, and so much could have happened. But we're playing, what, are we playing five of the bottom six yes. in, in that period of time? Yeah. But you know what? You look at Swansea. We've got to play Swansea. I mean, thank God we don't have to play Hull. Uh, but, you know, yeah, yeah, you, look yeah. at, you look at Swansea. Um, we've got to play Watford. I mean, that guy that Watford have just signed on loan, who I saw on Match of the Day, looked absolutely fantastic. You know, we've got West Ham away on a Monday night. You know, that's not going to... We've got Stoke away, I'm just looking at the moment. And so, you know, but... Yeah. we've But we're not playing... Um, we're not playing Man City until the 5th of April, and we're not playing Man United till the 15th. And those are the two hardest games we've got left, although I think Everton away might be quite tough, mm. although certain people are calling that for, for the day that we do it. Let's let's not be too, no. too premature. But you have to say that we have won 16 out of our last 18 games. Yes. That, that's extraordinary. And then you think, we've got, what, 14 games left? Why are we not going to... Why is that percentage not going to be repeated? Exactly. I, I think something something just to add on 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 this. Uh, I was just before I came on the on the show. I was I was reading an article about uh, about Conte, and uh, so much of the article is is relevant to this to this point. He when he was in those Juventus sides, Juventus, that that Juventus side was was great, but it also had a lot of very bad luck. Uh, it lost three Champions Finals in a row. Um, and it also lost the league that was in a commanding position um, to win. And um, one of the things Conte was saying is how, because of those experiences, he's very, very careful not to get very emotional about defeats, but to look carefully at what's happened and to learn from it. If you look at um, how we've reacted to our defeats, uh, the Arsenal-Liverpool and then also uh, Tottenham, come back pretty strongly each time um, learning from what we did after Arsenal Liverpool it was the, the, the 3-4-3 then again after Tottenham we stepped up 
um, you know, and, and started playing playing you know some some proper football again. But um, I think he, if you're looking for a guy who knows what happens when you get complacent and a guy who knows how to keep people's heads steady, I think we've got just about the best in the business. Um, because as I said, that, that Juventus era, they had some horrendous bad luck when it came to mm. um, losing from winning positions yeah. um, and, 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 and that sort of thing. Daniel, you've just a few words you've got on there, do you think? Um <clears throat> Oh, anything can happen, can't it? That's the uh, <laughs> as, as yeah, one's, yeah. yeah one always one always when one's you know lost for words, one always reaches back into the uh, the lyrical output of of Johnny Cash, and uh, just around the corner there's heartache, as they say. So it could all it could all go, you know, we could end up like. Uh, our little friend Coquelin on Saturday being ragdolled out of the way by Man City as they come herring through. But um, uh, it's been a very enjoyable season and I think, like a lot of people, I'm keeping a cap on my excitement such that it doesn't destroy all that's gone before if things do go wrong. You know, we've been very fortunate with injuries, you know, two or three crucial injuries in the space of a couple of weeks. You know, all those sorts of things. Clayton's listed out all these teams. You know, they're all, you know, there are no mugs anymore. In, and, and Chelsea have to keep their form going. We'll see, you know. And, and what and did we go into the season? What did we go into the season wanting? I think if even if the world's yeah, top four. Top, top four. four. So yeah. if we get top four... You know, okay. You know, we, we you know we're in a good position to win the league, but that's what we that's what we we set out yeah. to achieve. Yeah. So, but yeah, when, you know. when you've been in a position from which no team has lost the league, you know that that, that sort of starts to you know colour. And if if we fail to win the league now, despite the fact we're all sort of sitting on our hands and you know talking quietly, um, if we don't win it, something will have occurred. Which will, you know, well, be it'll big... be fine. You know, a Chinese club will come and buy us all for fifty million each, and then we'll all be laughing. Yeah. It won't be fine. We'll all be very upset, and we'll all start tearing <laughs> each other apart again, and we'll all start digging out the players, and we'll all, you know, it, I mean, at that moment when 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 Hazard chipped the ball over the advancing Peter Check on Saturday after that, that did feel like one of those sort of glowing moments that you remember in football and you sort of thought oh maybe something really special is going to happen you know and uh, wait, well, sort, if you, if you, sort of carrying that on now through the weeks hopefully yeah. uh, well, I mean, if, I, if you I, look at if you sorry go on quickly I, I was just going to say that um, there's, there's a quote famous quote from Conte in his training he says he wants his players to to eat grass and, and sweat blood so I'm telling you that I, I, personally, the one thing I can be reassured about is that it will have to be something really, really special yeah. to knock us, knock us off. Because I'm telling you, that man, he's, he's not going to allow it. He really no. is. I'm looking at it and I'm thinking we've got 14 games left, um, and I personally, 10 wins would take us to 89 points. I, I think I, that would be I enough this season. Eight, eight wins will do it. Yeah, I, I think you know when you look at the the fact that we're, we're 
we're not all au fait with the the other team's fixtures or whatever. Uh, you know, during this running, we I think at the beginning of the season there was a lot of criticism that oh look at Chelsea, look at the running they've been given, you know. Um, and the fact is, you're playing teams whether you're playing at the bottom. The, the, the league is still far more competitive than you know Serie A or League A or La Liga. In the fact that you know, as we've seen with Pep Guardiola, who's come from leagues where there was a, a one or two horse race. When you come into a league that's as as competitive as ours, where the team at the bottom can have a blinder, a puncher's chance, um, you know, then then there, there are no no surefire things. You know, we we played Hull. I was disappointed with 2-0 and it turns out I should have been absolutely overjoyed with 2-0 because their results since then have been very good and um, you know so there's always that I also think that um, you know we, we didn't strengthen the squad that was a slight surprise to me but um, then we have brought some of the, the, the youngsters back and there's obviously a lot of faith and I think if they see what's going on and they're training with the likes of Costa and Hazard and, and the seniors um, that can only be a good thing and that is if, if that doesn't spur you on if that doesn't inspire you then really then perhaps you should be looking at the game that chases a peanut shaped ball round or something like that I don't know um, I'm going to move on I think we're, we've just about done our time now um, I'll do a quick AOB has anybody else got anything they want to throw in about anything before we go into the outro um, uh, no Frank Lampard's retirement. We'll have to oh, deal with that. Maybe yeah. in a, yes. We'll have a maybe a special. Yeah, I think um, so. And I think what I'll do is I, I may well line that one up for a couple of weeks' time and to say, okay, we'll have yeah. we'll have a, we'll have a two-game review and, and and spend half the program um, dedicated to Frank. I think we did it once before when he actually left us, Donald, when we had Dan Levine mm. on and, and what have you. Um, but I think it's a worthy call. I, I wrote a piece for the fancast last week for the fancast. Yes, you did. Um, Straight from the heart. Yeah, uh, um, but I've seen some cracking pieces around, and I, I think, you know, that despite that there was a, a handful of naysayers who said he ruined his legacy by going to City and then New York, who, uh, frankly, talking bollocks as far as I'm concerned. Um, oh, grow up. <laughs> yeah, he owes us nothing. We owe him everything, in my view. So that's a good point. I'll make a note of that for the next um, for the next podding shed. Anything from anybody else? No, I'd, I'd, uh, the only thing I'd like to recognise the fact that I don't think anybody on Saturday stood and applauded as um, Theo Walcott was substituted for apparently the 100th time. Oh dear, oh dear! I didn't know that. Had I known, I would have. Um, yeah, it would have been up. Yeah. yeah, of course I would have. I would have affectionately paid tribute to the young lad. Well, he's not a young lad really anymore with football in terms, I suppose. Twenty-eight. Yeah, quicko. Yeah, we can. Uh, I just noticed today. I was penning a piece, and I, I realised that we can break it. We can break the record again. Um, there are fourteen games to go. Uh, if we win them all, we can set that new record that we that Tottenham so uh, so uh, so annoyingly spoil. Hmm. So um, yeah, again, this is That's one of those thoughts I just put to the back of my mind. I, th- I think now I, I'm just happy with us limping over the line, as it were. I don't care. Um, I, I think I mean Bur- Burnley on Sunday is going to be really tough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. they they seem to have a a pretty good record at home. Um, I'd like to think we're going to go there and and pretty much wipe the floor with them. But you know, it, it doesn't happen these days. Um, Right, so uh, we've come to the end. I'm just going to do the quick outro. A few parish notices. If you like what you've heard, um, then do check us out on iTunes. We get released on there about a day after we, we submit the, um, the, the the master tapes for some digital remastering and editing by Nick, our dear leader. You can also go to uh, poddingshed.com. Just Google it. You know, these days you don't even have to worry about 
W's and HTTPs and rubbish like that, just whackingpodinshed.com and you'll be guided to our site where there's a... Other, other search engines are available. Other search <laughs> engines, of course, yes, and Bing. You can use Bing, which I was told the other day um, was, was chosen by Microsoft, who are never going to win that battle, and that Bing actually stood for Bing is not Google, which if it is, is quite clever, really. Um but uh, yeah, other search engines are available. But yeah, please do check it out. There's 82 other episodes on there, um, including this one when it goes out. Um, and uh, if you rummage around hard enough, there may be the Easter egg of our lost episode in there somewhere. Uh, if you find it, by all means, let us know because it was one of our best. Um, I'd like to do a quick plug, of course, for the Chelsea Supporters Trust, of which I'm, I, I am a, a member. Um, if you join the trust, uh, you'll get your voice heard by the club. It's £5 to be a voting member. Um, or you can be a non-voting member for absolutely bugger all zilch. Um, no cash, nothing whatsoever. You can sign up at ChelseaSupportersTrust.com. Um, you can attend the meetings, you can go to events and you can vote on issues that directly affect you. Um, and as I said, it's a way to get your voice heard. And it's own things, ticket pricing, safe standing, um, and all of the issues that kind of affect us as fans. The one thing they don't do is talk about team selection. Um, you can also follow them on Twitter, at Chelsea S Trust. Um, I've uh, got some pretty good um, provincial... Um, uh, provisional, should I say, nods from people to come on. Um, so we, we we may well be doing some team changes next time. Um, we do have a bit of an overlap with, of course, the Chelsea fan cast, of which I am um, a reasonably frequent um, guest pundit for for Chidge. Um, but the lovely Alexandra Churchill, who I met on sat, um, Saturday before the game, um, is a renowned a renowned writer of um, some very very. Um, very, very good World War books around Chelsea and football, and and, and that she just finished a book on on Passchendaele, which I believe led 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 up uh, to some of the uh, stress relief of drinking um, beer at one out of a gin and violet liqueur cocktail. Um, but Dan Silver said he'll come back, and Martin Wickham, uh, who's a lovely bloke, actually approached me in the pub the other week and said, you know, let me know when you want me on. Um, so you know, look out for some some more dazzling array of guests and pundits um and that's it we're going to try and do the ne- next one in a couple of weeks um um but in the interim i'd like to say uh, thank you to my cast my guests tonight for their brilliant opinions um so some good laughs um uh, and um, i'd like to say i'll say good night and then donal if you'd like to um, be the music maestro so uh, good night clayton good night good night Queku. Good night. Uh, and good night, Donal. <clears throat> good night. And um, as we all uh, stand outside the door of our little podding shed, there as the path wends its way through the allotment, we see the large imposing figure of Mr. Ivanovich. His stick over his shoulder, his little knotted handkerchief on the end of his stick. He turns and waves us goodbye. And we say to ourselves, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But also think to ourselves, it's a good job we've still got one mad Balkan left. Because, of course, I subscribe to the theory that you don't win anything unless you've got a mad Balkan in the team. (laughs) But Branislav, love, we owe him so much. Indeed. So for the second... The second shed running, we're going to try and play this this moving, moving tune 
as we say goodbye. Must be just a, a fleck of dust from the vegetable patch that's just got in my eye there. <laughs> I'm going to have to scoot, guys. Thank you so that's much. Okay. Cheers, everybody. Take care. Yeah. Bye. Cheers, everybody. Good night. Take care. Bye. 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 Cheers, mate.